0: scripture, standing for our gospel reading, which comes from John's gospel, the 20th chapter. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the tomb. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, And said to them, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. And then Peter and the other disciple set out and went toward the tomb. The two were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent down to look in, and he saw the linen wrappings lying there, but he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came, following him, and went into the tomb. He saw the linen wrappings lying there and the cloth that had been on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen wrappings, but rolled up in a place all by itself. And then the other disciple who reached the tomb first also went in, and he saw, and he believed. For as yet they did not understand the scripture that he must rise from the dead." Then the disciples returned to their homes, but Mary stood weeping outside the tomb, and as she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb, and she saw two angels in white, sitting where the body of Jesus had been lying, one at the head, the other at the feet. They said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, They've taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. that he had said these things to her. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated, and let us pray. Now may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts, O God, be pleasing and acceptable in your sight, for you are our rock, and you are our mighty Redeemer. And in the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Well, it was a surprise that first Easter morning, but let's be honest, it could have gone either way. It it could have been a surprise and the best thing that had happened in the history of the world, or it could have been just another step on what had started off on Palm Sunday, to be an amazing week, entering into Jerusalem, but by Thursday had taken a dark turn as Jesus was arrested and all of the chaos and cacophony that accompanied that Thursday night and when Friday the crowds cried, crucify him, crucify him, and indeed they did. And then there was the Sabbath when nothing could take place. And on Sunday, there might have been a bit of bad news to add to all of the junk that had come before. It could have gone either way, and when Mary came to see something like this, an ancient tomb, which has an opening that is, that is a short opening. You can't walk into it. You have to bend down and sort of crawl, and then you see that what closes this area is a stone that rolls in front of the tomb. Now, you and I think about graves as places to hang out, places where we go and we, we rest in peace until the trumpet sounds and the dead in Christ are raised. But in the ancient world, the tomb was not such a permanent thing. There were several different stages to what you did with a body. The first stage of which was you placed it in a tomb like this to allow decomposition to occur. And you'd come back a year later, and after that decomposition had occurred, you would collect the bones and put them in a bone box. And what you did with that bone box was up to you. Some people in the ancient world buried them underneath their houses. Others put the bones of a lot of their ancestors together, which is a very literal idea and picture behind this this notion that Abraham was gathered to his people. He went to where his ancestors were. And so the women had placed Jesus in the tomb, had seen him placed in the tomb by those who had carried his body from the cross, and the stone had been rolled away. Now, it doesn't mean you can't get in the tomb. It just means that it's a little difficult because you get to roll the stone away so that you can go inside. And Mary comes, and Mary finds the stone rolled away. It's like coming home from vacation and your door being wide open and you think, somebody has broken into my house. It's like being at the Boyle County Fair and coming out of the fairgrounds and noticing that one of your windows is gone. And then you say something under your breath and you get inside and realize you just left it rolled down. Mary comes and she sees an open tomb and her thought is entirely reasonable. Somebody has come in and done something to the body of Jesus. They've taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they had laid laid him. And it doesn't cross Mary's mind that something else has happened. That no one has broken into the tomb, but that he who was inside has emerged in full life, victorious. So Mary goes and she tells Peter and John. I am taking the understanding that's a pretty ancient understanding that the beloved disciple is the disciple John that Peter and John are told of this news. And it's been several days of getting news after news after news that gets worse and worse and worse. They're coming for Jesus. They have arrested Jesus. Jesus is in jail. Jesus has been beaten. Jesus is before Pilate. Jesus is before Herod. Jesus might be released, but instead they say, give us Barabbas. Jesus is crucified. Mary says to Peter and John, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. Now we've got a lot of runners in here. Peter and John became runners on that morning when they heard Mary Magdalene's testimony. They became runners running from the place where they were staying to the place where Jesus had been buried. Why are they running? Well, they've got to see what Mary has described. After a Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, when they couldn't do anything, it seemed hellish, like one thing after another was going wrong. Could something else have gone terribly, horribly wrong? Is the indignity of a grave robbery to be added to everything else that has occurred? They ran. they ran. Bobby Dodd was Georgia Tech's athletic director and he told the story of the coach who with his team leading 7 to 6 in the last minute of the play in the ball game carefully instructed his quarterback not to pass the ball under any circumstances. But when the ball was carried within the opponent's 10-yard line The quarterback was overcome with temptation. He passed the ball, which was intercepted by the rival's fleetest back, who broke into an open field and raced toward Paydirt. He was speeding past midfield when suddenly, out of nowhere, the quarterback, who had passed, overtook him and tackled him. After the game, the losing coach remarked to his barely victorious counterpart, I will never understand how your boy overtook my fastest back. Well, I'll tell you, came the reply. Your back was running for a touchdown. My boy was running for his life. John and Peter are running for their lives. They've given everything in the past three years to this teacher who seemed profound, who seemed mystical, who captured their attention with the stories that he told and the way that he described the kingdom of God. And they had tied their fortunes to his fortune, and they are running for their lives to see if yet something else has gone wrong in Holy Week. John outruns Peter, he gets the gold. But Peter is the first to actually go in and what he finds is odd. The scene that they encounter is not the scene of a grave robbery. First, why would robbers go to the trouble to unwrap a corpse when they could have simply dragged it out. And if they did go to the trouble to unwrap a corpse, then why would the piece of cloth that had been covering the head of the dead man be rolled up neatly at the end, at the head? Then Simon Peter came following him and went into the tomb and he saw the linen wrappings lying there and the cloth that had been on jesus head not lying with the linen wrappings but rolled up in a place by itself and then the other disciple who reached the tomb first also went in and he saw and believed the first to believe in the resurrection is John, the gold medalist runner on Easter morning, who got there first and who looked inside the tomb and realized that something unexplainable had occurred. He went in and he believed. Now, John's gospel is is a gospel that is is very different from Matthew, Mark and Luke. There's a there's a, a theological term we use. Matthew, Mark, and Luke are the, are the synoptic Gospels. We see them with one eye. They see the world with one eye. In fact, you can find uh, the same account with, with very little variation sometimes in Matthew, in Mark, and in Luke. There are some things that are in Matthew only. There are some things that are in Luke only. But Matthew, Mark, and Luke view the world and view the Gospel with, with kind of a singular eye. But John, the beloved disciple. John, the one who sees with mystery. John, the one whose insight gives us such unparalleled beauty as in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. John sees. And John believes. John becomes the first believer in the resurrection, noting that something amazing has taken place. And then Peter and John return to the place that they're staying in Jerusalem. Their home is not in Jerusalem, but they have a home base in Jerusalem. And in the meantime, Mary is outside the tomb. And she looks in. And when she looks in, there are two angels in white, one at the head and one at the feet of where Jesus' body had lay. She looks in, and she repeats that which she says over and over again because what has happened is so difficult to understand, not only for us, but for her. And she says to those inside, they have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. And then, there is a remarkable conversation that changes Mary's life. When she'd said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not know that it was Jesus, and Jesus said to her, woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you looking for? And supposing him to be the gardener, she said what she's been saying again and again, sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him and I will take him away. And Jesus calls her by name. Rabunai, she says to him. When he has said Mary, when he calls her name, she recognizes instantly who it is that is speaking with her. John might have been the first to have believed in the resurrection, but Mary was the first to have encountered the risen Christ. And becomes the first witness to the resurrection. First, I think we can say that love is what makes John sensitive to Jesus' truth. You can tell how John thinks if you read Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and then you turn and, and you read John. John thinks in a different way and has a wonderful take On theology and on the world and on the mysteries of God and that kind of love that makes him the beloved disciple and love for John and in the thought of John in the Bible is not just a one-way street. He is beloved by Jesus in a special way which implies in turn that he also loves Jesus in a special way. And so, that's not to say that Mary Magdalene or that that Peter did not love Jesus, but there is this special, unique love of the beloved disciple that makes John sensitive to Jesus' truth. And while everybody else can stand outside the tomb and say, what's happened here, John gets this idea. John gets this idea powerful thought John believes. Love lets him be sensitive to Jesus's truth. And Mary, Love makes Mary come early in the morning when nobody else is there. Now, some of the Gospels present Mary and the women. You you, you can think about that in several different ways. It may be that Mary is back and forth. We know that she's back and forth because she comes to the tomb. She gets Peter and John. She goes back and she comes back to the tomb again. And so there's lots of visiting of this tomb, lots of back and forth, but love makes Mary come even when it may not be safe to do so. And love makes her stay even when the other disciples have left. She stays until her question gets answered. And she stays until she receives a blessing love lets us see beyond times limited horizon we have all lost people that we love if we if we live long enough we are going to experience loss and pain we're going to see suffering love for Jesus lets us see beyond times limited horizon and recognize with John that the empty tomb means that God has changed the world. Love lets us in on this power that God has unleashed on resurrection morning. It's a power that lets us see beyond the grave, but it's also a power that lets us see from today until tomorrow. If your world is falling apart, it's hard for a world to fall apart any more thoroughly than the world of the disciples had fallen apart. And suddenly there is a new day. And the new day brought something far more amazing, astonishing, wonderful than any of them could ever have imagined. And love helps us wait, even through weeping to receive the blessing of knowing the living Christ who governs creation and who loves all of those who are called by his name. Christians are called by the name of Christ, In the Old Testament, you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. To take is to carry. You shouldn't carry the name of the Lord in vain into the world. And if we take on the name of Christians, then we carry Christ. May we never carry that name in vain. It's love that shows John that something new has happened in the world. And it's love that keeps Mary there asking the question again and again until she receives the blessing she seeks. And it's love that tells you that even if you think it's over, it's not over, that tomorrow can be a new day, that Jesus is with you because he is risen from the dead. And will be with you always, even to the end. And it's love that brings us together on Easter. As we say with the church of many centuries, in many places, he is risen. He is risen indeed. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I invite the piazzas to come up as uh, we prepare to hear their gifts. Let us pray. Risen Jesus, Master of all that is, King of the universe and Lord of our lives, give us such love that we would always know what you are thinking and where you are moving and where you are calling us to be your people Do your will in this world. We pray in your most holy name. Amen.